Uh, yeah, so that's a little different, I guess. Um, we uh, kind of felt like uh, with the news that came out last night that we needed to do something. Uh, the episode that's going to air right after this, we already recorded. And then the news came out last night that Bob Saget had uh, passed away in his hotel room in Orlando, Florida. And, uh, I mean, we're a TGIF podcast, and, I mean, we couldn't leave it out, right? I mean, I don't. I think that in the in the pantheon of TGIF, there's very few people that are at the same level as as Bob Saget. Um, I mean, he truly was the you know the first father of of TGIF. He was the he was you know our Full House was was that first show on that first night, and he was you know he was he was the dad. Uh, he was there for a lot of America. You know, they were only Full House was only on. TGIF for two seasons, but um, you know the show was much longer and much. Yeah, I much mean, deeper people don't that. even realize that. Like, we talked to like yeah. S- Steve, and he didn't even realize <laughs> that he wasn't on Full House that whole time Full because House. I mean, people think yeah. TGIF, they think Full House, and I mean, Bob Saget. And that shows how important it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a father to not just uh, his family; uh, he was a father probably to the kids on that show. I mean, they probably Definitely. spent more time with him than they did. Like their real family, a lot of the time. Um, he yeah, was, he was a father to a lot of people that were watching at home. Who, um, I mean, that's just how it was. I mean, they related to him. Uh, everyone did, and he was he was something special. He was. He he was, and then we're recording this the day after the news has come out, so we haven't seen the full spectrum of kind of the the condolences, the you know the memories and the and the the statements by the people that have affected him or that were affected by him the most. But, you know, we've already started to see, you know, very sweet and emotional things from Candace Cameron and John Stamos, John Stamos Dave Coulier, Andrea Barber released a statement. The, the Olsen twins, Mary Kate and Ashley have both released a joint statement. So, and, and uh, there's only going to be more to come. And, you know, we, we talk about full house because that that's what was on TGIF, but so many other people connected with him on America's Funniest Home Videos and then new generations of people that found him for the first time on shows like, you know, Entourage or How I Met Your Mother. Or his um, stand-up or like movies yeah, well, that, that he was in. Yeah. And, th- and that's really, and that's what he was doing, you know, when he he was currently on a tour that he, it sounds like from everything that I've seen, read the videos that he's posted that he was really excited to, you know, get back out there on the road, go on a tour, hit as much of America as possible and, and reconnect with people that it sounds like he really hadn't had a chance to be in front of 
um, in a long time and do what he loved, which which was stand up. So. Yeah, and at this time too, I mean, it's eleven thirty a.m. the next morning. We don't know what happened. We don't know what he passed away from, but it really doesn't matter. That's the thing. It like, um, no. he he affected so many people, and um, I mean, it's it's a big loss. It really is. It is. Yeah, it's it's somebody that people everybody has a memory of, um, and it's gonna you know it's gonna be felt. And it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a crappy way to start twenty twenty two, but. Um, you know, he'll be missed. And there's luckily we have a lot of a lot of him in the world that we can go back and experience and 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 reconnect with. And that, you know, that's part of what we're doing with his work, with other people's work, just to keep it kind of in people's memories. But uh yeah, yeah, he'll he'll be missed. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I don't think we need to say a whole lot more. Uh we'll miss you, Bob. Uh you played a big part in mine and Travis's life in the last couple of years, going back and watching all this and uh I mean, that's it. You you will be missed. 100%. Welcome to week 122 of the Two Guys in the Fridays podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. How's Mexico, Steve? Uh, I mean, are we going to do that? I mean, like, or do you want to do you want to not be there yet? I mean, technically, I will be there as this this um, episode airs, but uh, we are recording. Are you ready for your trip to to Mexico? Uh, yeah, just about. I think uh, cool. we have not packed yet, but we kind of like know what we're packing. It just kind of has to go in the suitcase, kind yeah. of thing. I mean, what do you need? Pair of jeans, shirt, uh, some swim trunks, dress pants. Shorts. We have to have dress pants and like, like uh, one pair of dress pants. I brought two pairs of pants. Shorts, bathing suits, and then like ten button-up shirts. I feel like, but like short, <laughs> short sleeve. Yeah, cool, man. Sounds fun. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, we're doing that, and uh, before we do that, though, we're doing this. It's a TGIF podcast. Uh, we watch all the shows that aired on TGIF exactly thirty years after they aired. But before we get into that, uh, a few other things. Thanks to Harmonics for the theme song this week. Thank you, Harmonics. It was great. And uh, if you want to send in your own theme song, you can do that, too. Uh, just send us in an email, uh, tgifcast at gmail.com. And while you're doing that, if you're not doing all this other stuff, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, TGIFcast, that's where you can find us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And uh, we're on YouTube, too. Just uh, search Two Guys in a Fridays. So that's the easiest way to find us in there. Yep, that's where we are. Um, so these are episodes that would have aired when Travis, the ones we're going to watch or that we did. Yeah. So these, these would have aired, uh, January 17th of 1992. Okay. So we do like to see what was going on in the world that week, uh, back in 1992. So I got, it's kind of a music heavy news week, I guess. Um, January 15th, 2022 is when they did the, uh, rock and roll hall of fame inductions. And uh, this okay. is the year that both uh, Johnny Cash and Jimi Hendrix went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I know, I, I know that when I went, did, we didn't go at the same time, right? You? No, I went at a different time. Together. Yeah. Okay. I know that when I went, the the Jimi Hendrix section is huge. Like they have a ton of Hendrix stuff. It's really cool to see. It's cool to yeah, see. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. Um, when I went, 
Do they have like the whole like Pink Floyd thing at the top? That's floor? always there at yeah. the top floor. Yeah, that's always. I love that. I mean, that's, I'm a big Pink Floyd fan. So yeah, that's that's always there. That's what I remember yeah. the most. I don't. I don't know why my alerts keep going off for like Facebook, but uh, they're happening. Um, <laughs> that's okay. My dog keeps crying too, so there's all kinds of background noises right I now. I mean, I don't even have Facebook open on it, but I guess like background alerts are on, so that just know, might man. happen a whole lot this episode. <laughs> Um, so the other news story that I pulled, um, January 16th, 2022 is, uh, when one of the most successful live albums of all time was recorded. Recorded? Recorded. Like the performance, it was recorded on this date. Was it, uh, the, the Farm Aid? It was not, um, it was an MTV Unplugged. Uh, okay. For Eric Clapton. That's one of the most successful. Yeah, like 10 times platinum. Wow. Okay. I want to say it's like only behind like uh, Billy Ray Cyrus or something or Garth Brooks or something like that. Billy Ray Cyrus for what? What do you mean for what? For live album that he did. For live albums? Yeah. I'm fact checking this right now. Yeah, go for it. Um, Because I I don't believe any of that. So the song. uh, I mean, you got Frampton Comes Alive is probably the most famous like like live album of all time and then you've got um i mean nirvana unplugged look it up i'm looking it up i'm and pretty then, sure this beat nirvana unplugged um the the song tears from heaven the performance tears from heaven i remember the was performance a huge from the unplugged is the one that got even bigger than the original single um what, what it's a little bit of a tease but in the future this is going to end up winning uh six grammy awards and uh it was his best-selling album of all time and one of the best-selling live albums of all time. Okay, so I don't I don't know who this person is, so this might not be I'm not going to like hang my hat on it. Um, but this says that you Garth Brooks uh, Double Live is the the, be- the best-selling live album of all time, followed by Bruce Springsteen um, with uh, the E Street Band live seventy five to eighty five. Then the Eagles live. I imagine that that makes sense. Is after that, Frampton comes alive next, and then fifth is Nirvana unplugged. Uh, it does mention though that Eric Clapton's unplugged is ten times platinum, and and uh, would still make it one of the biggest. Oh wait, 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 wait. No, no, hold on. No, this guy. Wait, wait. This guy fixes his post at the end and says um, that that Eric Clapton would be. He he forgot it initially, and it would be number three um, behind Bruce Springsteen and Garth Brooks. Yeah one of the biggest okay cool all right i didn't know that but yeah i remember that that um tears from heaven song was, tears from heaven thank you was was huge you know what ha- you know the story behind that right oh yeah yeah of course crazy of course. It's, it's um, tragedy yeah devastating so what was the number one movie and song for this week i know i think you said there was a change this week well number one song is still black or white so that's okay. that's not going anywhere but uh number one movie is the hand that rocks a cradle um which is a great movie if you're into, you know, like really intense thrillers and kind of psychological thrillers. I can't, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen it, but it's been probably 30 years. It's I mean, it's a great movie. It's a really good movie. It doesn't have a lot of, there's not a lot of people in it that you would, that are kind of still yeah. doing big things nowadays. I mean, Ernie Hudson for, but Ernie Hudson, I feel like is in everything. Um, it, you know, Rebecca De Mornay is in it. Uh, Annabella Sciorella, who I don't know her name, but I recognize her from the movie. It's, I mean, it's a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. So I recommend it. Cool. Uh, and that's it. No uh, birthdays. No birthdays. All right. No birthdays. Yeah. So we can, we can get in it. We haven't had a birthday in a few weeks. I, don't, I wonder what was going on. I don't know. Yeah. It's cold out. Maybe. 
All right, so uh, this week what we did was we watched uh, the three shows that aired, right? That's all I was supposed to watch. Uh, yeah, yeah. Family Matters step. was in reruns this week. So it was Step by Step, Baby Talk, and Perfect Strangers. Just kind of keep in mind, Perfect Strangers and Baby Talk switch time slots going into the new year. So Baby Talk is now at 9. Perfect Strangers is at 9.30. And this is the last episode of Perfect Strangers on TGIF. All right. Uh, so, yeah, let's get into it step by step. Season 1, Episode 15, Drive, he said, was the name of the episode. And uh, it starts off with uh, Cody and Brendan in the kitchen and uh, something about what happened here. Um, so Brendan's Brendan is obviously like sad and Cody's like, hey, man, what's wrong, little buddy? And Brendan says that his Billy's friend got Billy. has chicken pox. Yeah. And he can't go play with him. So Cody offers to make him an ice cream sandwich. Yeah. And Dana comes in, too. And he's like, oh, I can make you one, too. And she's like, ice cream sandwich. All right. I'll take an ice cream sandwich. And he's like. Well, you want yours on a uh, rye or whole wheat? And she's like, oh, man. And then she like, walks out. And he's like, I got sourdough, too. And then that's kind of like your intro. We knew where that was going. That's probably the nicest Dana's ever been to, to Cody. Uh, yeah. I mean, trying to get an More ice cream sandwich out of it. So I might as well. That's true. Um, so after the theme song, we come back to uh, Frank, who's getting home from work. And... Uh, he pulls out his tape measure. He looks really tired too, by the way. I don't know if they really. Yeah, he looks like that. he looks exhausted. Like he's been working hard all day. But he like pulls out the tape measure and like grabs the basket from across the counter and like pulls it towards him with the tape measure rather than uh, like uh, walking over and grabbing the basket. I guess I don't know. It was yeah, kind of that's funny. It. Um, so the big thing here though is Al comes in at the same time and she's like, "Dad." can I learn to play an instrument? And uh, before he thinks too hard about it, eventually she gets him to say yes. And as she's running upstairs, uh, she says, great, I'm going to go rent some drums. Well, a big part of this, though, that plays out in this storyline is that he he tells her no at first because she has a habit of starting something uh-huh. and then not not following through or just giving up on it afterwards. Or, you know, she's she kind of bounces back and forth, which a lot of people do. I do it. Steve, sure. you do it. We all do it. Um, and so he's like, no, I don't, you know, he's like, I don't want to pay for an instrument if you're just going to play it for a couple weeks and then quit. Um, and she convinces him though, that this is something she really wants to do and she will commit to it. Um, and, and so, yeah, he agrees and she says, playing drums, dad, see you later. Yeah. Which he immediately regrets agreeing to letting her play a musical instrument because we all know drums are kind of loud. Yeah. Yeah. Very loud. So uh, we then go to the living room. Um, JT's reading a wrestling magazine. Looks like maybe uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I think it just says wrestling on it, though. But uh, It does just say wrestling. You've yeah. got uh, an Undertaker cover shot there, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It looks like there was an Undertaker-Hogan match that it was talking yeah. about. Um, and then yeah. uh, I think we've talked about it on this show that there was a Undertaker-Hogan uh, feud where they lost a belt and traded back and forth right around this time. Remember oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was one of them a buried alive? Did they have a buried alive match? Ooh, I don't know if they did. Because uh, like, that was what the that was what they were kind of talking his like plan to bury hogan alive uh, i don't know um smacked up well this is a 2006 buried alive match but definitely doesn't have hogan in it i bet probably not so uh, does. dana yeah. comes into the living room at this point she's looking for her mom she needs someone to take her to go take her driving test tomorrow so trying to find her mom to do that um jt jokes how she's gonna be a bad driver because she's a girl which upsets dana and then Frank comes in and uh, kind of continues the joking about uh, how girls are bad drivers and um, how teenage drivers especially are the worst. Did you notice what Frank was eating? No. He was eating, um, it was ants on a log, but instead of raisins, it was M&Ms. Okay. Uh, which I imagine, some, I, personally, I would not eat that because I don't like peanut butter, but I, 
it just seemed like a, a fun twist that I feel like people would really enjoy. Yeah. Be a little, well, you've already got the crunch from the celery. I don't think you need... It's just chocolate. You've got some chocolate thrown into it, into the mix. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, so Dana's um, sure that she's going to be a good driver, though. She's like, look, if you guys can do it, I can do it. I'm smart. I, uh, I'm responsible. I know that I'm going to be a good driver. And then this is where Carol comes into... And we find out Carol is going to be unable to take Dana to go get her driving test because she is swamped in the salon. Yep. So Frank is going to have to be the one that takes her, takes the unlicensed driver uh, to the DMV. Yep. And Frank does not look too happy about that. And that's where we go right to this next scene. Um, We've got Dana actually driving Frank uh, in his truck to the uh, DMV. And I think uh, Frank, maybe at this point too, we, we were... Uh, find out that Frank needed to go the DMV anyways, right? Like in the last I don't scene. think we... Do we find this out? I yeah, thought we didn't I find that so. out until he got... I thought No, I think we knew that, that... No, we knew that Frank needed to go the DMV because he needed to renew his license. Like, we found uh, okay. that out here. And, okay, uh, I thought we didn't know that until he got there. I thought he, he brings that up to the DMV worker initially. So we go... Um, we're driving, right? Um, and mm-hmm. Frank is kind of just like telling uh, Dana... How driving is such a privilege, but also being like a pretty strict like uh, watcher of her driving, like criticizing everything that she's doing. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Criticizing. I mean, in fairness, she's a new driver. He's trying to like, like, watch anxious. out, make sure you're braking. Yeah. Don't look over there. He's, what happens if this happens? Like, yeah, he's, for sure. He's he's being a parent, really, is what he's doing. Um, And she's like, Frank. I've got it. Don't worry. I've got this whole driving thing under control. And uh, she does. I mean, she's doing fine. And that's where fine. we arrive at the DMV in the next scene. It shows um, the two of them coming in. Dana goes off to uh, take her. She's taking her actual, like, behind-the-wheel driving test. And Frank has to go up to the counter to get his uh, license renewed. And when he gets up there, the uh, clerk uh, realizes that his license actually expired yesterday and he's going to have to take the written test in order to renew his driver's license. I will tell you this. I've never, I had this happen once where I renewed after my license expired. I didn't have to retake the written test, but the level of stuff that you have to do if you wait until it's expired it to expire. renew your license yeah. is absurd. It's oh, absurd. Man. It is like nothing has changed in the three days from when it expired to today. So come on, really? Yeah, so he tries to get out of taking it, but uh, the clerk makes him do it, and uh, the clerk's not really happy with Frank. I mean, they—they they, it's like the normal like DMV experience. That yeah, you yeah expect. it's stereotypical DMC, DMV. But uh, I think he ends up handing Frank uh, test number four, which uh, mm-hmm. he kind of alludes is like the toughest of all the tests, and uh, tells Frank to go over to that table over there, finish your test, and bring it back. So that's what he does. He goes over there. Um they skip ahead a little bit and then they show him finishing the test, turning it in. And, uh, he's like, Frank's like laughing and very cocky as he turns it in. Like he knows he crushed this thing. Yeah. And at the same time, Dana comes in and she's like, I passed, uh, Frank, everything is good. I got my license. I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. And also at the same time, uh, the clerk is grading his test, uh, and he has to get, if he, he can miss seven, but, uh, the clerk is marking lots of red X's on his paper he ends up missing eight and failing his uh, written test. Pretty much eight in a row. I don't know. If, we don't get any indication that he got any right in the first eight questions. Yeah. So now uh, Dana's got a license and Frank doesn't have a license uh, because the, uh, the DMV clerk literally cuts his license in half with a pair of scissors <laughs> in front of him. 
My wife tells a story that when she was getting her driver's license, she failed her written test. And she heard, heard a rumor at school that if you go to a different DMV on the same day before the, because it's back, you know, in the nineties, uh-huh. before the computers had a time, had, had a chance to like update that you could take it again uh, without having to wait the hmm. like two weeks in between. She tried to do it. She convinced her dad of this. They went to a different DMV, uh, got to the DMV and they're like, weren't you just at the DMV across town? And, and a record show that you failed that test. So, so I mean, she didn't get in trouble or anything, but uh, she had to wait to, to take it a couple weeks later. Um, so we go back to the house. We get another JT chocolate milk uh, scene. They like to throw this in every episode they can now, it seems like. Sure. It's probably why I remember it so much, because it's we've already seen it like four times in the last seven episodes. I've already called it, in my notes, I call it his famous chocolate milk thing. <laughs> have you done it yet? No. I always think about it. I'm like, I'm we don't really have, I, I don't really drink a lot of I'm going to go do that right now. And then I'm like, just forget about it and then it doesn't happen. We we used all of our milk this morning though, knowing that we're going out of town, so there's no milk Makes in sense. the house. Do you have chocolate syrup yeah. regularly? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um okay. all right. So JT drinks the milk, he sits down, he's gonna go eat and study, it looks like, on the table. Um, and then Al begins playing the drums. Like you can hear it from the other room, wherever she happens to be. And uh as soon as Al like hits like the first like note on the drums, JT accidentally squirts ketchup all over his like work and his food and the table and everything. Uh, so he's mad. Uh, a bunch of the other kids come in. Karen, Brendan, everyone. Mark, yeah. everyone's just Carol comes in and pretty much everyone hates the drums. And then uh, Carol is first to go into the living room where Al is actually playing. Cal- Carol's like ready to shut it down. Like she's like, I can't do this anymore. We got to stop this. Yeah, and like they're like, you just need to take a break. Like this is too much. You can't be playing as much as you're playing. They're not telling her to quit it completely. They're just like, you need to take a break. And Karen, um, straight up tells her, you're really bad at the drums too. Like you're, you're all. <laughs> she just started. She just started. Um, and then Dana comes in the front door. She's super happy because she got her license and she is ready to uh, tell everyone that she got it. But maybe even more excited to tell everyone that Frank now <laughs> has no license at all because he failed his uh, written test. One more, I'm sorry, one quick note about Al, excuse me, Al playing the drums as well is that her response to Carol and everybody else is that she can't quit because if she quits, then Frank is going to think that she's a quitter and she told him that she was committed to doing this point. and he bought That's her. a good point. Yeah, it is, it is. So Frank has to retake his test on Monday, we find out here, and also... Um, Dana knee or I guess she asks Carol if she can borrow the car and uh, Frank's like oh we'll make sure that you don't take maple because they're doing some construction over there and Dana's like why would I take <laughs> advice from someone that doesn't even have a license uh, she's rubbing it, it in yeah uh, skip ahead a little bit to Al still playing the drums uh, Frank and Carol come into the living room and uh, Frank is now trying to get uh, Al to quit playing the drums like everything that he said before he's like you gotta quit well, it's a mix between like him wanting her to quit, but also him wanting her to know that like if she doesn't like it, she doesn't have to do it because nobody else seems to like it. So. Yeah, he's just trying to like go like go around directly saying it, I guess. But yeah, uh, it's a really tight line to walk right here. She's saying that she's really loving it and she uh, doesn't want to quit and uh, also tells Carol. Uh, well, I think Frank tells Carol that he's got to go. He's got to get out of the house like this is too much. He's got to get out of the house. And he asks Carol if she can drive him somewhere. But she's like, I can't. I'm too busy. But I know someone who can. 
Skip ahead. I put that Frank asked Carol if she could take her to the beauty shop. None of that makes sense. He didn't. Why would he? He, he wanted to get out of the house. She had to go to the beauty shop because she was too busy. And that's where she went. And uh, okay. she's like, I know someone who can take you somewhere. And that's where they skip ahead to Dana now driving Frank once again in his truck. She's singing like as loud as she possibly can. Uh, the song uh, When a Man Loves a Woman. And Frank is like done already. Like who knows how long they've actually been in the car. But he yeah, doesn't yeah. want to be there. Um She's like, he's like, don't sing when you drive. You need to pay attention. You need to concentrate. And he, once again, she's like, I'm fine, Frank. I can do this. I know what I'm doing. And then uh, as she's kind of like arguing back and forth with Frank, um, you see a car pass by her in front of her. I would say it's, it's a school bus. School bus. Yeah. It, looked, yeah. it was yellow, right? Well, and, it was also not real. It was like a it was like a graphic <laughs> drawing of a what to me appeared to be a school bus that they like flash really quickly in front of the screen yeah and so. i mean it seems like she probably was running a, a stop sign or something or a red light if the car is coming straight across <laughs> yeah that's the impression i think that they gave it it's almost like somebody just took a piece of paper and drew a school bus on it and like flashed it in front of the camera <laughs> i'll have to quick. watch that again but uh frank is over is able to uh like reach over and i don't know if he like stepped on the brake or what but able to get her to stop and pretty much saves the both of them from directly t-boning this yellow piece of paper yeah, and Dana is like visibly shooken up by this this incident. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we go back to the house. Um, JT and Al uh, walk into the living room, and Dana is just on the couch. Um, she looks sad. They joke uh, to they joke her for like being in like a demolition derby. I think they say like this. Is, we find out this is like three days later. Um, yeah, she hasn't been driving at all. They all know about the car crash that almost happened. And Dana has literally nothing to say. Like JT wants her to like tease him back and like come back at him, but she can't say anything and ends up going upstairs. She's I mean, cause she's generally upset. Yeah. Like he's trying to joke around with her and she's just like, I don't like this. This isn't the time. Like I, I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. And I wrote sad Dana in parentheses cause we've got a, yeah. a real sad Dana going on. So um, into the kitchen, uh, Frank comes in and tells Carol and Dana, is Dana in there? Yeah, this my this is sometime later, right? Like, yeah, because uh, Carol and Dana are in the kitchen. He comes in. He's like, "Hey, I got my license." Well, da- well, it's just Carol that's in the kitchen now. Dana comes in in a minute. Okay, um, and Dana comes in. She's still like acting sad about the whole thing, about everything that's going on. And Carol's like, "Dana, I mean, you should go like take my car and go see the new Woody Allen movie or something." And like, she's like, "No, nah, I don't want to go anywhere." And she's like sits down with her and she's like wondering like why don't you want to go is it that you don't want to drive again or is it don't you don't want to go to see the movie and like she's like i've got this story that i gotta that i need to tell you and she's dana's like is it another like thing that you did when you were young beauty salon school story and she's like well this is what happened i was young (laughs) and i was just starting at this line and this person came in and wanted a haircut and i gave him this like horrible haircut like i just kept cutting it too short and too short and i wanted to stop doing hair salon or cutting hair forever but i didn't i kept going and that's kind of the lesson that i'm trying to teach you here like you gotta even though you mess up when you first start you've got to learn from your mistakes and get back at it or you'll never succeed at what you're trying to do kind of thing they should have done an episode where carol goes to a hair convention like a like a beauty convention and meets the cast of, of new attitude <laughs> do they i guess they have beauty conventions right oh yeah yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely what would i i mean so I, I would i would i would 
picture like people setting up like tables in like a big convention room but like yeah would you just have random salons or would it be like schools or like no no like the it's products products and like yeah schools would be there but you would go as a salon owner and and say okay here's all the new scissors here's all the new hair dryers Mm -hmm. the new like products here's all the new like here are schools that are available for like further education and training so you're not picturing carol and the new attitude people like setting up their own tables you think they're both like uh going there just to see what is available right but then they have those like really cool hair have you ever seen like hair competitions online where they do like like yeah i watched something i watched some documentary series or something i forgot what it was that's where the salons get in the salons do like like style competitions and and hair competitions. But uh, so do you see Carol competing against the new attitude cast? Or do you think they like both walk up to the scissor table at the same time and be like, I'm buying those scissors. I don't think, I don't think, I think Carol is, is probably really good at her job, but I don't think she could hold a candle when it comes to like a competitive styling competition to the new attitude. Yeah. Ladies. She's going down. Yeah. Um, so where are we back in the show? Um, uh, she tells this whole story, right? And yeah, then yeah. Uh, Dana feels. But she finishes. She finishes it by saying, "Look, if you don't, if you the fact of this is, if you don't start getting back into driving, then you're gonna have to rely on JT to take you places because he's next in line to get his driver's license." Yep. And she's like, "Yeah, that's not happening." So uh, she's like, "I'm gonna try again." Uh, at this point, too, Al gets home, and uh, we find out that her and her friend Pam are actually gonna start a metal band. They're gonna be practicing at this house, and uh, Frank's <laughs> like. Uh, let me sit you down real quick and I'm going to tell you a story and uh, ends up just telling Carol's exact story that she just told Dana. Which has no relevance. He just is like, that was a good story and it worked. So I'm going to just try to tell a good story. And yeah, see it's it pretty works. funny. So that's how like, yeah, the good. episode ends, just like him yeah. telling that story. Um, so yeah, that's uh, Step by Step for the week. The next show we watched was uh, this week's Baby Talk. Uh, I just got done watching it a few minutes ago too. So season two, episode 13. Now I know how Lassie feels is the name of the episode. And this yes. episode was a complete mess. Like it was almost, it was impossible to like write notes on the first, like it is a very frenetic episode. And I will tell you this, this was my favorite baby talk. Wow. episode that We have watched to date by far. Wow. I really, I really enjoyed this episode. Okay. Um, but so- it's very frenetic. It's one of those, like we see this episode done a lot in like, full house where there's just a lot going on all the time constantly with no break so yeah i feel like it's gonna be hard to talk about the first half of it at least but uh we'll try um so the intro this time it's mickey and another kid um they've got umbrellas they're in rain gear there's a joke about getting wet and he's like oh my umbrella's not working because i need to be changed right now <laughs> mickey is not having that other kid mickey is so uninterested in that <laughs> other child he's like dude i'm star of this show get out of here i didn't even watch the credits this time at the end did they bring back it's the- even worse like he really has no interest in being around that other kid in the, in the closing <laughs> credits in the closing credit i mean it's not it's actually not bad in the opening credits in the closing credits it's like okay what is this kid doing here i this is my show all right so after the theme, we come back and we get kind of like the setup of this episode. We're at the apartments. Uh, the elevators are broken. Uh, we find out from Anita who comes out that the water is out on half the building. Mm-hmm. Um, James is trying to get things fixed, but he needs to get a plumber in there. So that's going to happen. He's getting a plumber to come check Anita's uh, apartment because they don't have water and also check uh, Maggie's toilet because it's making a noise. Yes. And something happens here that's really important and that I really appreciate in that James gives Maggie a kiss when he first sees her mm-hmm. to say hello and obviously indicating that they are now in a relationship. And I think the implication here, while somewhat unspoken, 
is that there's a lot of things going wrong in the apartment because James is, is not doing his job because he's preoccupied with his new relationship. Yeah, so after James promises he's bringing a plumber in, um, Mickey, Maggie, and Anita end up going into Maggie's apartment, and Anita's like, hey, I got some stuff going on. Um, I need to cook some food. Uh, a bula base, is that what it's called? Bula base. She needs to borrow her sink because she doesn't have water in her apartment, and this dish right. requires a lot of boiling of water. So she's going to be coming in and out of Anita's or out of Maggie's apartment tonight to do that. Also, uh, her husband's having a poker game. There's no water in their in their room, and they drink a lot of beer. So he's gonna him and all of his friends are going to need to come use her bathroom throughout the night. And uh, she's like, fine, but. It's going to be a little hectic in my apartment, too, because I've got uh, Susan coming over. We've got some accounting to do for, uh, who's the guy? Mr. Uh, uh, <laughs> Mr. Coleman. Mr. Coleman. Yeah, Coleman. Uh, we've got to do some accounting for him because he's going out of town and we got to get it done. So I'd rather you not, but go ahead. You guys can use my Correct. apartment all night and do everything that you need to do. And when she says Coleman is going out of town, he is literally kind of he has a flight that night and he is going to pick up a report on the way to the airport uh to take with him so she had her and susan have to like basically count down to them having this report ready for him when he gets there yeah and this is where we start to get into like the craziness i think yes Um, absolutely so it's a little later now uh susan's over and they start doing like or they've probably already started but they're they're in the middle of doing this accounting work yeah, they're checking their work, I would say. Um, knock the door. It's Anita. She's coming over to get water for dinner. Phone rings. It's Mr. Coleman. Um, he needs this uh, paperwork done because the flight's leaving at 1030. And he also we also find out that they, they just hit a dog in the road, too, with their car. <laughs> and he should be there in about an hour as well. This is when we start to kind of get the timeline. Okay. So about an hour away. Um, Anita needs to use the stovetop, too, at this point, because she doesn't have enough burners, and they need a couple extra burners in order to cook all this food. So she's going to be cooking food in her apartment with her water. She's also going to be coming over to to Maggie's to use the burners, so she's going to be running back and forth all night. Yep, all night. Um, James comes over at this point. Uh, they And also, there's like this kind of joke going on throughout the whole episode where with this accounting work there's like a number at the end and they're trying to figure out if it's a five or a six and they pretty much ask everyone or what that, it is yeah, yeah they pretty much ask everyone that enters the apartment like what number is it and really it's like the final number of the entire thing that's going to change a million or three million dollars by one dollar and that's what they're worried about is that what they said that it would be? It's a three million dollar difference. They were like, they were like three million four hundred eighty-seven dollars and uh, eight, right. is it eighty-six or is it eighty-five? It's right, right. So the point you're making, which is accurate, is that this is one dollar out of the whole larger millions like, of dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So James, they're, they're trying to figure out a number. James is already yeah. there. Uh, phone <laughs> rings. It's uh, the boss again. He's just checking in. Like he's going to be checking in throughout this whole episode, just calling and saying. Hey, I'm uh, this far away. Hey, right. uh, just letting you know. It's basically a countdown. He's a count. Every time he calls, it's like I'm 30 minutes away. I'm around. I, I'm, I'm closer. I'm closer. I'm closer. It's it's basically a countdown clock. Uh, this point too, uh, the plumber shows up, and uh, he is there to fix everything that needs to be fixed. So as well, right get, before that, what happens? James is, is playing with Mickey, right? Right. James jumps into his playpen, which that's like the most sturdy playpen I've ever seen in my entire life. 
I don't. I don't but, think it's as a floor. I think it's just like a little like cage type thing that just sits around on the. floor. No, it's definitely off the floor. I it's definitely know. off the floor. That's what Bad I was. I, I when he jumped in there, I figured that it was just like a perimeter. Anyways, just because he jumps, in, he jumps in the playpen with Danielle and and Mickey. Yeah, so he's in uh, there he's when like, the plumber arrives, and then when the right. plumber gets there, he jumps out, and that's where we find out that he dropped his wallet in the playpen. Right. Exactly. So a little bit later, um, now Mickey and Danielle is also in the playpen, and they are playing with James James's wallet and the contents of the wallet. Um, one of the poker players comes in to use the bathroom. The phone rings. It's Mr. Coleman again, letting them know that he's now on the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, Anita comes back in uh, and runs over to do some food stuff. Another play- poker player comes in. Susan starts hitting on him, also asks him uh, what the number is. And then the plumber comes back in with James. Yeah. Yeah. He comes back to look at this toilet and Susan. And throughout this entire episode, you're going to, I mean, this is the entire thing is poker player comes in, leaves. Anita comes in, leaves. Susan flirts the poker player, leaves. What? I mean, it's just people in and out the entire time. Yeah. So the plumber um, goes over to Mickey and starts like, like playing with him, talking to him or something, and sees that uh, Mickey and Danielle are playing with a wallet. He looks in it realizes it's James's, takes the uh, wallet and I think a credit card at this point, and then uh, leaves as quick as he can with the wallet. He's stealing yep, James's yep. wallet. He's like, I got to go get something else. I forgot it I, or whatever. And just kind of dips out of the apartment. And then Mickey says, obviously not out loud because he can't talk. Now I know how Lassie feels, which is the name of the episode. Right, right. So then we skip ahead to uh, Mickey um he's we hear his thoughts he's trying to get his uh, mom's attention to let him know what's going on with his wallet and that it's been stolen but uh obviously he can't talk so he starts throwing toys at his mom who <laughs> can't figure out what's going on mickey never throws toys so why is he acting up kind of ignores it but does make comment about it and then another poker player comes in um he goes into the kitchen he leaves um and then we get a call from mr coleman who is at the building, but he's circling, looking for parking at this point. Right, and there's another thing that Mickey is also uh, attempting to spell plumber <laughs> with his blocks, and he's like, "I got it," and it and it shows the blocks, and it's just there's random. Nothing. It's just they're random not even letters. all the right way up or anything. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That, that's one of the things I really, really liked and appreciate about this episode is they used Mickey a lot, and in, in like important ways. Yeah, like we get back to the true like j- like kind of concept of the show, the baby talk. Uh, I, I really, really appreciated how much. Yeah, because I mean, like we've mentioned recently when we're watching Baby Talk that like we don't even write down what Mickey does anymore because it's completely irrelevant, has nothing to do with it. But I and mean, it's so few literally, and far between. My notes have lots of things that Mickey did in this episode. Like he, yeah. was, he was important. They used him as a character, which is the whole premise of the show, and I really appreciated that. Um. So let's see. From here, Tony comes, Tony comes over. He's looking for yep. his mom. James comes over. He has now realized that he's lost his wallet. Doesn't know where he lost it. He's looking everywhere, and then uh, thinks that he might have lost it in the stairwell at this point. And right. also, Mickey trying to get James' attention by throwing toys at him as well. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So he goes off. Check the stairwell. Mister Coleman finally shows up. Anita comes back. Um. Uh, I think Maggie takes, or no, Anita takes Danielle back to her apartment to get her ready for bed. Another poker player comes in, and then uh, Mr. Coleman, uh, Susan, and Maggie go to the table on the other side of the room to start looking at these accounting papers. And then uh, Doug, who is Susan's date for the night, (laughs) ends up buzzing in 
and he's going to come upstairs. Yeah, what well, that seemed kind of unnecessary, the whole like Doug part of this, but yeah, whatever. Um, James uh, comes in still looking for his wallet. Uh, Mr. Coleman makes a comment that oh, he's going to be late. Uh, he's got to get on this plane. And then uh, James. Yeah, he's like 30 minutes away from the airport. Or he says, that, no, I'm sorry. He says his flight leaves in like 30 minutes and he's at this apartment. And I'm like, dude, you're, there's no way you're getting to the airport and on your plane in 30 minutes. Uh, James no way. Still can't find his wallet. We do confirm here that there was $300 cash in this wallet as well. So right. uh, that's his most important thing. He wants that money. Uh, Doug arrives. Uh, James seems like he's given up. But then um, as Susan and Doug are leaving to go off on their date, the plumber shows back up to say that everything's fixed, but James is like, no, everything's not fixed. You haven't even looked at the toilet yet. So they go off to do that. Mickey once again tries to signal them that this plumber is no good, that he's stolen the wallet. Plumber goes over to Mickey, and as... Well, what happens here is he reaches... Mickey reaches out to the plumber, like reaches up, like, I want you to hug me, hold me, uh-huh. whatever. And and Maggie's like, oh, that's so cute. He never does that. Go, go. He wants, he wants a hug from you. Go give him a hug. Go hold him. And that's when the plumber goes over to to the playpen yep and as he goes over there slick little mick over there he uh <laughs> reaches over pickpockets the plumber steals that shot was my favorite yeah that shot was my favorite when you see like the non-baby hand reach into the wa- <laughs> the guy's pocket to pull out the wallet i was like that's great that's good stuff um so the plumber goes uh he says he's gonna go get a flushometer which maggie's like what's a flushometer which is obviously something that he made up he's just trying to get out of there and uh as the plumber leaves maggie looks over mickey realizes that he has the wallet and she goes over and grabs it from him and the problem is solved she thinks she's got a one-up on james now that she's gonna give him a hard time about this this wallet situation yep so james gets back uh maggie shows him the wallet that she found it and James is like, that's not my wallet. And he opens it up. They realize this is uh, not his wallet. This is uh, Mr. Coleman's wallet. and Or not Mr. Coleman. This is uh, the, the, plumber's the plumber's wallet. wallet. Yeah, so yeah. they have the plumber's wallet. Mr. Coleman's wife comes up at this point. She's like, hey, I need a dollar. Someone's trying to wash your windows. And uh, he's like, you left the car down there. So then the plumber comes back in at this point. And uh, Mr. Coleman's wife's like, oh, you work on the weekends? Can I get your business card? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he reaches in, accidentally pulls out James's wallet, which is well, now... Well, what he does first is he, he he goes to look in the pocket where he thinks he normally keeps his wallet. Uh-huh. And he you can tell that he like he kind of pats the back of his pants. There's no wallet there. So he goes and he pats the, his, the other side of his pants. There's a wallet there. He pulls that out, not realizing that he is now pulling out James's wallet because his wallet was missing. Yeah. So he pulls out the wallet, tries to throw it back into his pocket. James realizes what he's done. He says, what's that wallet? And uh, they, I think they both pull out their wallets at this point, realizing that James has the plumber's wallet. The plumber has James's wallet. James knows that the plumber has stolen his wallet and then uh, kicks the uh, plumber out of the building and tells him he's not paying for anything that he did either or he's calling <laughs> the police. Exactly. Good for him. Good for James. So Mr. Coleman worried that this uh, window washer has now stolen his car or at least stolen his uh, cell phone out of the car, runs downstairs with his car is gone. The car is is gone. Yeah. And uh, Maggie and uh, I think Maggie and James hug in relief that this night is finally over. The wallet has been uh, found. The accounting thing is done. Finally, they can have a relaxing time and be done with everything. Exactly. So it's bedtime. Um, 
James is still wondering how the uh, plumber's wallet ended up in the playpen in the first place. But uh, anyways, they turn off the lights. They go in the kitchen after uh, tucking in Mickey. And uh, there's a little comment here from Maggie saying, what's your middle name? Like I, how, somehow she doesn't know his middle name. But but when they're reading off the license, like he said, it was an M like for his middle initial. And he eventually tells her his middle name is Marion. They laugh, um, and then uh, he's like, well, what's your middle name? And she's like, well, I don't have a middle name, and uh, won't tell him what her middle name is. And then you hear kind of like Mickey like saying out loud that it's Eunice, but obviously he can't hear him because he's a right. baby. But uh, James starts guessing some random names, actually guesses Eunice, and Maggie gets all mad that he guessed it. They kind of like joke around and like chase each other, end up kissing in the kitchen, and as they're ki- kissing uh, – one of those poker players ends up leaving the bathroom and that's kind of the end of the whole thing. Yep. And a white screen with the, with the umbrella gimmick on the way out. I uh, really like this episode. I like that they continued this, the relationship storyline, which they've never done before. So it was nice to see that get done. I liked how much Mickey was involved. Um, I liked that it, it was busy the whole time because a lot of, I feel like a lot of times baby talk just drags on. Yeah. And this was kind of, I mean, it was very frenetic, but it was, it was good. It kept me, it kept me engaged. Uh, I liked it. I liked, I liked this episode a lot. Yeah. I don't know how I felt about it. Like, um, I do appreciate that we have some things kind of setting themselves up now, but I think I would have enjoyed it more if I wasn't like trying to take notes the whole time I was watching and just actually just watching it. Cause there was so sure. much going on that first part. Half. Sure. I can see that. I mean, that's fair, but I mean, what you can know. you do? We're a podcast. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, the final episode of this week, it's Perfect Strangers, Season 7, Episode 14. Again, uh, these were airing uh, at 9.30 now on TGIF. Was it yes, the episode, again, was it just missing? Is that the only, is that what it missing. was called? Missing, it is. Okay. Yeah, it's called, it was just missing. And this is, again, the last episode of wow. Perfect Strangers on TGIF. So, I, you know, I should have prepared for this, but we'll, let's, talk, let's talk about the episode and then we'll get into kind of like what happened. What happens? For, okay. Yeah, what happens. Okay. So uh, after the theme, we come back. We are set up at the Chronicle, um, and I'm glad they are using the new floor of the Chronicle. They're not in the basement, yeah, which uh, I was a little worried that they might be back in the basement, but they're not. Uh, Balky is uh, giving Larry a hard time about uh, a recent visit they had to a Chinese restaurant where um, Larry's fortune that came out of the cookie actually said, you will come into a large amount of money, but... If you are Larry Appleton, you won't be using it for tips. (laughs) Which he got mad because he thought that they made this fortune just for him, which they probably did because it said Larry Appleton on the fortune. They absolutely did. Um, Wainwright comes in at this point, too, and he says, guys, I need a new Dimitri cartoon. We're going to be running a cover issue. Dimitri's going to be on the front, and uh, I need it by Monday morning. Exactly. So Balky and Larry... After Mr. Wainwright leaves, they run over to the table to get started. But, uh, well, first, they, to get started, uh, Balky has a warm-up routine, which we, I don't think we knew about yet, right? Like, this is the first time he's done this. So it involves... Right. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like finger push-ups. Finger push-ups, and, and then he spells out his name uh, with his nose. So it looks like he's just like head-banging, but he's like moving his head like up and down and sideways spelling out his name. So that's his routine to get started to draw now. But uh, and there, there is one other thing that we find out here that that I don't think you mentioned. I might have missed it, but we we also find out that there's an ex-employee, Rob Bob Phillips, who is suing the Chronicle for firing him. Something that Wainwright says, kind of offhand, with no real like 
meaning, but it, it is important to the to the episode. Yeah, I actually didn't even catch that there. So uh, I'm glad that there was something that yeah. <laughs> explained that. So um, he tries to start drawing, but as he does this, he realizes Dimitri is gone. His little stuffed sheep is not there, and they find a ransom note left behind as well. Uh, standard, like, uh, letters cut out of a magazine telling them that... Uh, Dimitri has been kidnapped. He's, Dimitri is gone. Sad. So skip ahead. Uh, Balky is getting home from hanging up uh, like missing flyers all over town. He is freaking out. He wants his Dimitri back. They and- sent a picture to Unsolved Mysteries of Dimitri, which is our two weeks in a row we've had Unsolved Mystery references. Yeah, and Larry's just like trying to uh, do something to take his mind off of Dimitri because he needs him to draw this cartoon. He's right. like, you know what? We you could draw, and he's like, "Why don't you draw a happy little cloud? Fluffy cloud. Why don't you uh, put like a nose and a mouth and uh, <laughs> ears and everything and a tail on there?" And he realizes uh, Balgi that uh, Larry's just trying to get him to draw Dimitri, and he quickly rips it up and saying that he's not having this. Like, I need my Dimitri back. And uh, at this point, I think uh, Jennifer gets home. Jennifer comes in, yeah. And she brings in the mail. Balky opens up uh, a letter and he thinks he's found uh, <laughs> Dimitri's ear in an envelope. But it turns out it's just a uh, fabric swatch that Jennifer had ordered because she's doing some uh, some renovations in the bedroom or something like that. Things were weird back then. You ordered like order of fabrics, like one swatch of fabric that comes in the mail. You probably could still do that today, I bet, if you need to. Yeah, that seems know. weird. Um, so Larry opens up a package that came in the mail as well. It's a VHS tape. They quickly realize what this could be. They play it and it is a video of a blindfolded Dimitri sitting on a couch, the newspaper next to him and a demand for $10,000 to get Dimitri back. That's great. That's great. The, the blindfold. It's great. Yeah. Um, later, uh, Balky's trying to, uh, box up random items from around the house because he needs to uh sell some stuff so he can pay this ten thousand dollars uh marianne comes in tries to find out what he's doing he tells her and uh she sees that he has taken her hair dryer which she quickly pulls out of the box <laughs> and says no you're not doing that and then, he's basically uh, taking anything he gets hands on that 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 he thinks is worth any kind of money whether it's his or not eventually she's like all right go take uh my like face spa thing or something sell yeah. that too but uh larry gets home he's he's got some exciting news for balky he found dimitri in the dumpster near the chronicle mystery solved yep they do the no, and there's a there's a there's a pop from the crowd when he says this that is probably the biggest applause i've seen heard in any perfect stranger that he episode. found it yeah <laughs> and he like presents the new dimitri um, or the old dimitri i guess right yeah now. so they do the dance of joy um but for some reason, Larry's not letting Balky hold Dimitri. He just wants him to draw immediately. So Balky wonders um, why the kidnapper actually gave up, like why he stopped trying to go after this $10,000. Right. But uh, Larry just keeps uh, pushing him to draw, pushing him to do his warm-up. He actually like does the like finger push-ups for him and starts like moving his face to like write his name. But Balky's like, stop. I don't do it in uh, capital letters. I do it in, or you, I don't do it in lowercase. I do it in capital. So he grabs Balky's head and like shakes it to do the letters again. 
And uh, as he's doing this, Balky grabs Dimitri and quickly realizes this is not the real Dimitri. It's fake. It's fake. So um, Larry's like, all right, it is. I did it, but you've got to draw. We're going to get fired. And uh, he's like, I can't do it. And he's like, okay, well, then what we'll do is we will get Dimitri back and we are going to catch this kidnapper. But uh, first, to do this, uh, we have to get them to uh, meet us somewhere where we can have the advantage. And he's like, right. we're not going to meet him in just like a dark alley at the middle in the middle of the night or anything like that. And like, as they're trying to start a plan, uh, the phone rings. It's the kidnapper on the phone. Funny enough. Yep. And Larry's like trying to play tough guy on the phone with them. And he demands that they meet him at midnight in the basement of the Chronicle. Do you not think it's weird that the place that they choose to meet is inside of a locked building? That how would like how would they know that the kidnapper would be, even be able to get into this building? Yeah, it's not like it's a high school in Chicago. It's it's the, it's the you know it's the Chronicle. Yeah, because I mean he hangs up with them pretty fast. He's not like go to the side door. I'll leave it unlocked for you or anything like that. It's maybe in the basement of the Chronicle. So at the Chronicle. Um, we have another Home Alone moment. They are taking everything from Home Alone that they possibly can on TGIF. They are dumping yes. out marbles all over the floor of the basement of the Chronicle. Larry's explaining to uh, Balky that uh, they're setting traps, and he tells Balky to uh, turn off the lights. They go over to a table on the other side of the room and hide, and they're talking as they um, are worried now that the kidnapper might actually have an assault rifle because if he's crazy <laughs> enough to do all this, then he probably does. And at this point, they hear footsteps. And as the footsteps approach, you can kind of tell in the light that it is actually Lydia. They are unable to recognize Lydia, but they run to try to catch the kidnapper. And they, Larry and Balky, end up slipping on the marbles that they just lied down for the trap. And uh, Lydia reveals herself and says, it wasn't me, and uh, goes upstairs. And Larry explains to uh, Balky how it's she's right. It's not her. It was a man's voice on the phone. I was so happy when I saw Lydia because I knew exactly what was going to come next. And I, just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they've decided to do this, but the fact that this is now kind of going to be a little bit of a running joke makes me really happy. Yeah. So uh, Larry and Balky once again turn off the lights. They uh, go over to their little uh, view table spot. Someone else walks in. We see. It's Sam. Uh, maybe he's the kidnapper. I don't know. They end up going after him. They slip on the marbles once again. And uh, Larry tells Balky, no, it's not Sam. And uh, he's like, Sam, Lydia's upstairs. And uh, Sam pulls out some uh, <laughs> breath spray, sprays it in his mouth, and then goes upstairs to Lydia. Right. And as just a reminder for all of you listening, this started a couple episodes ago where they randomly were making out in, in I guess, Sam's office. Um, and like, it was just a 30 second throwaway in an episode. And that was, it was like, that was weird. Why would, what was that about? And now they're bringing it back. So I like now that it's going to be kind of like a running gag. Yep. So two of them are upstairs. They turn off the lights again. Uh, as they do this time from behind, not from the other door where Lydia and Sam came in. Rob Bob Phillips comes in and tells him the two of them he is the kidnapper and he has Dimitri to give back to Balky. Right. And Rob Bob Phillips is played by Leslie Jordan, who is a character actor that is in everything. I mean, you would recognize him from a number of different movies, shows. Yeah, I think um, he's in the new um show with uh with Blossom, whatever her name is. Maya Bialik. Yeah, I think he's in that show. Jeopardy? 
No, the, the like sitcom she's doing. Oh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I didn't, you know, I recognized the voice immediately. But I mean, obviously, this is 30 years ago. Like, I was like, I know who this is. He looks then, much like, younger. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Because he is what he was much younger. But um, and they're still doing the jokes about him being short. Like today on, on Blossom, too. Like, that's yeah. That's he. I, I want to say like the commercial that aired the other day was him in like a pair of high heels, and she's like, "Oh, I usually see the top of your head when you're uh, when you're standing there." <laughs> but yeah, um, he's there. He's dropping off Dimitri. Um, we find out. Uh, I don't. I don't think they mentioned this earlier in the episode, but uh, he talks about how his cartoon Kangaroo Cowboy got dropped to make room for Dimitri. That's right. why he got upset. And uh, he asks for Valky's forgiveness as he gives back Dimitri. Valky forgives him. Um, tries to give Dimitri back to Rob Bob and says they weren't able to raise the $10,000. But uh, <laughs> Larry's like, no, not doing that. And this is where we get like this scene of like Larry finally taking advantage of a guy that's shorter than him. Like, you little short guy. I yeah, am going yeah, to do funny. all kinds of things to you. You are so short and so short. And then, like, eventually, like, Balgi breaks them apart and, like, stands over top of Larry and, like, <laughs> looks at him down. It's pretty funny. Um, it was. It was. Uh, but, yeah, Balgi forgives him. And uh, Rob Bob says that uh, he tried to tell them on the phone, like, that what was going on and everything. But Larry, just being Larry, didn't even give him a chance to say one word on the phone. And he would have uh, told them that he could they could have just had Dimitri back at that point. But uh, yeah, uh, we got into all this, and uh, Larry hands Balky Dimitri and says, um, or I, no, I guess Rob Bob probably did, not Larry, right? Yeah. Dimitri, yeah. So hands him back Dimitri and says, uh, Larry's like, if we hurry, we can still get this cartoon done, and uh, they run to the elevator. Slip on the marbles one on more time, and then that's the end of the episode. That's it. That was a good episode. I liked it. What's that actor's name again? Leslie Jordan. Leslie Jordan. Yeah. 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 I did. I knew. I knew the voice, and I was like, "Why can't I figure out who this is?" But he looks so much different. But yeah. I mean, he's there. You can definitely see. He just yeah, looks yeah, he's thirty yeah. years younger. I think a lot of people now kind of associate him with that really white hair uh-huh. and kind of you know he's he just he looks older. Um, and then, you know, in this episode, he's got, you know, darker hair. Yeah, I didn't realize hair. that he had been acting for so long. Like, I thought he was oh, yeah. like more of like a newer kind of face. No, like a, he's been around for like a he long, got long time. It. I thought he got into acting when he was older, but I guess not. No. Okay. That's it. Those are our that's three it. this week. That's one. That's the last episode. of Again, Perfect Stranger on TJF. So what happens? What, what happens is they... ABC tries to launch a Saturday night version of TGIF called I Love Saturday Night. Okay. And they they were going to have Perfect Strangers be be the, you know, one of the shows on that. It's Perfect Strangers, Growing Pains, Who's the Boss, and a show I've never heard of called Capital Critters, which was evidently a cartoon about the mice and rats that live in the basement of the White House. Yeah, and I mean, the, I know nothing about Capital Critters, but that's a great lineup. It is a great lineup. Neil Patrick Harris was the was, was, on Capital Critters. The the Neil Patrick Harris was the main voice actor. Uh, the only other name I recognize is Bobcat Goldthwait. It was one of the characters. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so they, this was a show. This was something they tried to do. Saturday nights. Uh, evidently, it was not successful at all. Perfect Strangers dropped to like number sixty five for uh, in the ratings, which was horrible for for Perfect Strangers. So they moved it back to Fridays in July and showed reruns until um, the next season started. Uh, but 
that too I'm, I'm, it doesn't really say here let's see the, those season, those episodes that aired uh for season eight were not on friday nights so hmm. i'm not sure what night what, let's see i want to say they moved it tuesdays july 9th 1993 let's see what that was july 1993 uh what day of the week oh it was a friday i'm gonna have to look into that and see when they pop back so up. do you know so, how long this like saturday night block of tv lasted for like did it end when they moved perfect strangers back off or did they just take perfect strangers off don't know i don't know i don't know um let me see it doesn't say anything there's no like wikipedia page for i love saturday night um yeah so i'm, I don't know, cur- but I'm curious if the network had like uh they knew perfect strangers was only going to be one more season and like that's why they were moving it around or if like because it yeah, failed maybe. like on saturday they were like all right well that's the end of perfect strangers who should be unfortunate because i mean it was so strong on fridays but i don't know and it looks like yeah i gotta I got do some updating to our calendar because it does look like season eight uh aired mostly if not entirely on friday night so we'll have to add that back onto the to the summer okay uh summer calendar well cool um what about uh rankings for this week you got a three two one for me yeah, yeah, I can do that. So step by step at three for me, Perfect Stranger at two, and I'm putting Baby Talk at number one. Whoa. I really, really enjoyed it. I liked it, and uh, yeah, that's what wow. I'm gonna do. I'm uh, I'm gonna put Perfect Strangers at three, Baby Talk at two, and Step by Step at one, which is completely like wacky compared to what you had. That's fine. I mean, it's it's everyone's got their own thing. Yeah, and I appreciate that. So, so. what's up uh, next week? What are we watching? Yeah, yeah. So next week, let's see. Next week is another weird week. So Family Matters, new episode, season three, episode 15, step-by-step and reruns, Baby Talk, new episode, season two, episode 14, and then obviously No More Perfect Strangers. The week after that, the new show uh, starts that we have. It's uh, Billy. So we'll we'll get into that in two weeks. But yeah, next week, just two episodes, Family Matters, Baby Talk, uh, and that's it. Cool. Well, that'll be perfect for when I get back from Mexico. I won't have a whole lot to do then. Yeah, I wanted to mention too. We are getting closer and closer to some of these cons that we keep talking about. Yep. Um, that '90s con is coming up fairly soon. I, um, uh, what's her name from from Family Matters posted about it on her. Uh, Laura, she posted about it on her fa- on her Facebook. She's like, "I'm going to be here in uh, in March or April or whatever it is. So make sure you come and see us, me and the cast." So I'm excited. It's coming up. That'll be fun. Yeah, it will be. Uh, hey, make sure you're following us on all social media at. TGIF cast. Uh, thanks to Harmonics for the theme song this week. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Emails can go to TGIFcast at gmail.com and follow us on YouTube, two guy or subscribe to us, I guess, two guys into Fridays. Yeah, subscribe, like all that stuff that you are supposed to do. I'm going to go uh, videos. drink out of a coconut right now. Well, not really. Yeah, man. Have fun in Mexico. Enjoy it. Don't get stuck there. I uh, can't promise that. I don't know what we'll do if that happens. I'm not bringing my computer or anything. So uh, we'll, it'll be the first ever episode we miss. Or you're going to do it solo, but then I don't know how you're going to edit it and post it. So uh, We'll figure it out. We'll make do. I don't know how it's going to happen. All right. We'll do it. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good week. You got it, dude. Podcast.